بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الفهم وأكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين. We have just entered the first night of Rabiul Awal and some of us are still in the last day of the month of Safar in the last hours. So we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept all the mourning and deeds of mu'mineen in these last two months of Muharram and Safar and may Allah inshallah enable us to maintain lots of barakah and light uh, from these two months and we pray that inshallah the month of Rabiul Awal will be full of blessings and barakah and inshallah success and security especially for the people who live in difficult parts of the world like Yemen, like Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. So as you know we are going to start a new series on Imama and Walaya. This is based on a new book which has been printed once as a draft edition and we used it in last Risalat course in summer but inshallah the final version will be ready soon and we will inshallah share with you the book is based on a series I had on Imam and Vilaya some years back but then we worked on those lectures and published them as several papers on Imama and Vilaya in Message of Thaqalain, which are available online. But then we then we Or some interruption then we worked on them again and I had I should uh, thank my wife Hanum Haydapur for working a lot on this and checking all the references again and some of the sisters also helped a lot so may Allah reward all of them so inshallah the book is hoped to be a useful inshallah book for our study of imama although it's a small book and it's never enough but at least it's a good uh, a small book and the advantage of this book is its clarity it's organized and everything is documented there are 
things which are famous and are repeated but they are not exactly with the same wording available in our early sources whether it be Shia sources Sunni sources we have to check to make every letter documented and the text should be also mentioned so inshallah I hope this would be useful and we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept this so today what we want to do is to go through chapter one it is entitled a principle of Shi Islam you know that for Shia Muslims we have five principles three of them are called principles of religion Usul al-Din which we share with our Sunni brothers even to some extent they are shared by other Abrahamic religions to believe in unity of God to believe in prophethood at least general prophethood and nubuvatul amma and resurrection these are shared by all Abrahamic faith to believe in prophet of prophet Muhammad prophethood of prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam what we call an-nubuvatul khasa is shared by all Muslims but in addition to these three we have two more and those two with these three form the Shia uh, the theology the main principles of Shia theology and they, we call them Usul al-Madhab or these are the principles for our denomination for our faith one is divine justice the other is Imam this doesn't mean that we don't have other doctrines we have tens of document doctrines this also doesn't mean that other people don't believe in this no there are people who believe in some or all of these but for the Shia these five have become historically very important and these five have identified the Shia so whoever believes in these five is considered as a Shia uh, in the book lessons on Islamic beliefs I have also explained this point that how historically divine justice was very important and how imama was very important so I hope you remember that discussion and if not you can refer to the beginning of the lessons on Islamic beliefs so we don't need to repeat here we just say that the Shia believe in Imama as one of the five principles of their faith, of their understanding of Islam. And this is not because we have a text in the Quran or Hadith which says principles of faith are five. <coughs> but this is based on overall understanding of our theology based on the Quran and Hadith but with also historical points that made different schools of Islam uh, distinct from each other okay now let's see why Imama is so important that has become a principle 
we have a title here, Knowing the Imam of Our Age. We have famous hadith in different versions from Prophet Muhammad وسلم, in which he says that knowing Imam of your age is a condition for not dying as those who died in the age of ignorance. There are different versions and I will refer to some of those versions of this hadith and it's interesting that the late Allama Majlisi in Biharul Anwar volume 8 page 368 says what exactly is this he says both Shia and Sunni have narrated this hadith in a way which is mutawatir. Mutawatir is a hadith that has been frequently mentioned generation by generation. So many people have narrated this that leaves no doubt, no chance of this hadith being fabricated or being a result of misunderstanding or confusion. It's known to be authentic because in every generation of the narrators, many, many people have narrated. There are parallel chains of narration. Because if you have, for example, 1,000 people, but then all of these 1,000 people have narrated from one person or two people, the end result is two people. This is not mutawatir. Mutawatir is that in every generation, so many people have narrated that throughout the history, this hadith is very clearly known to be from the Imam or the Prophet. So, Allama Majlisi, with his vast knowledge and with his expertise in the field of hadith, Rahmatullah alayhi wa ala jami'ulama'ana, he says this is narrated by both Sunni Shia Mutawatiran man mata wa lam ya'rif imam zamanahi mata mitatan jahiliyya. Whoever dies without knowing Imam of his time, he dies the death of ignorance, a death of the age of ignorance. For example, we have this wording Man mata la ya'rafu imamahu, mata mitatan jahili. Another version is Man mata wa laysa lahu imamun famitatuhu mitatan jahiliya. Sorry, famitatuhu mitatu jahiliya. So instead of the one who dies without knowing, he says Man mata wa laysa lahu imamun. The one who dies while he has no imam. Which means, of course, not that there is no Imam, means 
he has not been able to find out and commit himself to the legitimate Imam of his time. His death is the death of Jahiliyyah. We have this from Imam Baqir alayhi salam. We have this from Imam Sadiq alayhi salam. We also have this in Sunni sources. For example, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he says in Musnadullah, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, volume 28, page 88, number 16,876, he says, so what we have from Imam Baghra and Imam Sadiq is Man mata wa laysa lahu imam fa mitatuhu mitatu jahiliyya Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal says Man mata bighayr imamin mata mitata jahiliyya It's very similar In another version we have Man mata wa laysa fi unuqihi bay'atun mata mitata jahiliyya The one who dies while he has not paid allegiance to the Imam of the age, is like someone who died in the age of ignorance. So, as you see, it is only when we find out who is the divinely appointed leader of our time, and we acknowledge that, and accept his leadership that we are saved from Jahiliyyah. What is interesting is the term Jahiliyyah is used here although it is a title for the era before Islam. Muslims call pre-Islam era Asrul Jahiliyyah, the age of ignorance. Why? Because although that society had many problems, but one obvious and perhaps fundamental problem, which was the root of other problems, was Jahl, Jahiliyyah. They had no not only knowledge but also they had no rational approach to life they suffered lack of knowledge and lack of rationality because jahl in arabic means either you don't know so it's opposite to ilm or you may know but you don't act rationally which is opposite to aql so jahl can be opposite to ilm and can be opposite to aql. So jahil is someone who doesn't know or someone who may know but doesn't act rationally. That society before Islam actually was a society in which there was no knowledge and no rationality. The number of people who were able to read and write were very, very few like fingers of one person. No literacy, no education, no schooling. Plus, they had lots of superstitious ideas. So it's not that they believed in shirk, polytheism, because of their 
studies. They were engaged in serious theological studies or philosophical studies, which had led them to a false conclusion. No, they were not thinking that much about these things. They were taking these things very simple, <laughs> nothing to bother about. They suffered from jahiliya. Okay, now what is interesting is in this hadith, in all its versions, which has been narrated by Sunni and Shia throughout the centuries, Rasulullah says, even after Islam, you have to be worried that you may die like those who died in the age of ignorance. Just being a Muslim would not guarantee that you are different from those people. To believe in Tawheed is very important. To believe in Nobova is very important. To believe in Resurrection is very important. But there is a last condition. And if you don't bring that last one which completes, then you would not get the result that you want. Like for example, if you want to make something which needs 10 ingredients, you have to have all the 10 ingredients so that you can have what that combination or compound thing is. If you have all theories, all doctrines, but you don't have knowledge and commitment to the Imam of your age, Rasulullah says, you are not getting the result that you expect from Islam. You will be like someone who existed before Islam. Of course, maybe those people were excused because they had no access to revelation, to prophet, to hadith. But we may not be excused. God knows. At least our situation is much more difficult than them. We have to be ready for more serious questioning. So, the belief in right and upright Imam saves us from Jahiliyyah because it gives us direction. That is the key thing in my humble view. Direction. You can know everything about your theology. You can know Tawheed, you can know Adala, you can know Ma'ad, you can know Nubuwa, even can you can know your prophet, your book. But this is not sufficient. You should know what is the thing that you have to do right now. What direction you should take right now. You know, you see, for example, believers when they have good leader, how much they succeed. When they don't have good leader, how much they suffer. Is it because their understanding of Aqaid is different? No. They can have the same understanding of Aqaid, but good leadership gives you right direction. 
if you don't have good leadership or if you don't follow good leadership you don't have right direction and you may lose Quran tells us that having just good aqidah is not enough for success for example la tanaza'u fatafshalu wa tadhhaba rihukum if you are good in your aqaid but you don't have unity you will fail and you will have no fragrance means you will have no effect no impact on the world so unity is something that saves us from defeat from loss and if we don't have unity even if we master our aqidah would not be saving us the same thing is imam leader because imam is the one that not only gives us unity but also gives us direction unity around the truth unity around the best of interests for humanity that is what imam gives us so in order to have direction we need to know imam of our time and commit ourselves to him and his will and then inshallah we would be saved from ignorance from jahiliyyah so this is why rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has so much emphasized on knowing or having or giving bay'ah to the imam of your time i have used an example here in some other places you might be familiar with this example i say mu'min is like a compass you know the instrument that you use to find out the direction north south or for example qibla direction for prayer the beauty of compass is that no matter where it is produced whenever you take it to any part of the world even if it is very far even if it is after many many you know journey and going around different directions but when you put it on the ground after a few seconds shows you the right direction and if it doesn't show you the right direction then it is useless a compass that used to show but doesn't show now it's useless but the good compass no matter where you are putting it it will show you the direction mu'minin are supposed to understand and show the direction every mu'min not only has to understand also it has to be a sign a reminder for the good and right direction unfortunately in the course of history there were people who were okay when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was alive but when it came to finding the legitimate successor to the prophet the first imam they had issues 
some people after certain imams started having problems we had people who for example followed up to four imams up to five imams up to six imams up to seven imams of course after imam Rida, we didn't have any separation except recently that you know the recent centuries we had some people who split from Shia Islam and formed other ideas like you know Baha'is and for example some other groups but for most part after Imam Rida we didn't have any separation what is interesting is that there were very sincere people for example following Imam Zainul Abidin like Zaydis but then they didn't follow Imam Bakr so there were people who followed Imam Bakr like Jarudis for example Kisanis they didn't follow Imam Sadiq Ismailis they followed Imam Sadiq but they didn't follow Imam Qadim Waqifis they followed Imam Qadim but they didn't follow Imam Rida so we have to come always along the time forward have to come forward not being stuck and this is the beauty of imama imama has time imama has direction imam of your time of course in some discussions i have mentioned that knowing imam of your time is different from just knowing Imam Mahdi as portrayed in books of hadith we have lots of information alhamdulillah about Imam Mahdi in the books of hadith we have even independent books on Imam Mahdi we have for example Ghaybah by Nu'mani Ghaybah by Shaykh Tusi we have Mekyalul Makarim. We have many books on Imam Mahdi, but these are not enough. We need to have such understanding of Imam Mahdi so that we can understand what he wants from us today. So, just knowing that there is a 12th Imam with some information about him which would not have any impact on our life would not save us from jahiliyyah so knowing imam of our timing knowing imam knowing your time knowing friends of imam in this time enemies of imam in this time challenges that imam is facing this time what he wants from you this time what is the hierarchy between you and imam in this time how you can work for imam this time what skills you have to have all of it is part of knowing Imam of this time otherwise if what I know is the same as what a person 1000 years ago knew so then what's the difference between 12th Imam or 11th Imam or 10th Imam or what's the difference between me and other people who lived much before it has to be dynamic it has to be showing me direction in my age my time 
Okay, so this is about the significance of imam. Then we have a discussion about literal and technical meaning of imam. I think I stop here because I want to have some time also for questions. So inshallah we continue next week from this part. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين.